Welcome to Media Mavens, a bi-weekly podcast where we discuss our favorite, or not-so-favorite, movies, shows, and games. I'm Pam. I'm Riley. Let's Let's get get started. Hello, and welcome to Media Mavens. This is episode 19. I'm Pam, and with me, as always, is Riley. Hey! How you doing? Uh, good. I'm doing, I'm doing good. It's snowing like big snowflakes today. Oh, it was just <laughs> so, little snowflakes when I was out earlier. Oh, uh, yeah. I saw big ones. Big ones earlier. I'm glad I don't have to go anywhere because I have not put my winter tires on yet. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I've never put on winter tires. I just sort of <laughs> risk it. Uh. So with us today is returning guest, Apple Cider. Welcome. Hello. 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 I think we have to upgrade you now from returning guest to like regular guest, <laughs> special <regular>. guest star. <laughs> yeah, I I uh I don't know. I keep coming back like a like a bad cold. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's always it's always good to be here with uh with you ladies. Uh you always have such wonderful topics for me to discuss and to be snarky about. So. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So this uh this week we decided we would talk about the Game Awards and uh, the PlayStation experience, two sort of big events that happened in the last week, and we couldn't think of anyone better to snark about the Game Awards <laughs> than I, you. Oh, thank you. I I guess it's kind of like my brand now is to watch Game Awards and to watch award shows in general, especially with, with gaming and actually like, I don't know, it's... I think a lot of people probably think it's it's uh, a little bit uh, futile to like sit on Twitter and make fun of things on you know television or on the internet or whatever. But I don't know. We're all going to be watching it anyways. We might mm-hmm. as well have a little bit of fun at the expense of you know some of the more hilarious things uh, about like the Game Awards and and things like that. Although I will say this, I was rewatching the Game Awards stream this morning. Because I kind of caught it like 15 minutes in, so I wanted to see the like 15 minutes I you know didn't didn't get to mm-hmm. see while it was televised, and there was like an opening montage that was about like how gaming made us better people this year, and instead of laughing about <laughs> how ridiculous that is, uh, uh, I actually started crying because it was no. one of those montages of like heroic game characters with like heroic music and then like the end it's like tracer going you know the world could always use well heroes and i'm like yeah you're so right Tracer. i totally believe you yeah so uh as much as i snark i can't i can't help but be sucked into it sometimes so it works thanks Jim yeah keely <laughs> <laughs> All right, so before we get too much more into the Game Awards, we'll start off with just what we've been up to over the last week or two. Uh, did you want to start, Apple Cider? Uh, sure. I haven't been able to be into too much because uh, right now is a very busy time at my job, uh, mm-hmm. which means when I get home, I'm very exhausted. Uh, but I have been playing a lot more Overwatch again, because I kind of quit for a while, and then I came back a little bit for the, like, Halloween event, and then I quit again, and now I'm kind of back, uh, not because of Season 3, because I'm not, like, super into competitive, uh, but mostly just playing with friends, having, like, a really good time, feeling kind of, like, competent at playing that again. Um, I also have... 
I picked up Dishonored 1 because everybody's been raving about Dishonored 2, and I kind of wanted to see the full story because it's not, like, just a game you can kind of pick up narratively or whatever. So mm-hmm. I got Dishonored 1 for, like, $10 on nice. uh, Amazon. So <laughs> I'm probably going <laughs> to be playing that this weekend. Uh, and that's what's been it for, like, games mostly. Um, and I also, uh, because our political scene isn't depressing enough, I decided to watch <laughs> Man in the High Castle, the entire thing, in preparation for season two on Amazon. Because, you know, dystopic fascist alternate histories is totally an uplifting and lightning mood for the holiday season. <laughs> Maybe it's a preparation. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> I was like, what? show about the rise of fascism possibly make me feel right now you know (laughs) but it's it's actually really good i never actually read the book like i never read the the philip k dick book and honestly reading summaries of the book on like wikipedia i think Mm -hmm. the tv show does the concept a little bit better than the book um As far as I can tell. Now, obviously, TV is always going to make things punchier for the sake of television because it's episodic and it has to create tension and drama that novels do not. But the the thing with Philip K. Dick's book is that Philip K. Dick only had the ability to write from the perspective of somebody who was only maybe 12 years out of the end of World War II, whereas... Mm -hmm. TV producers making a TV show in 2015 have the benefit of looking back on that period of history uh, with way more hindsight than somebody writing a book in 1960, too, which is really fascinating because I think it added a lot of things to the show that Philip K. Dick could have never really predicted writing the book in the 60s, like the fact that the ultimate arc of the Japanese in our actual timeline, not the book, not the book's timeline, but in our actual timeline that the profound impacts of the American occupation of Japan, as well as dropping bombs on Japan would obviously lead to them being demilitarized, but also uh, leading to the Japanese rise in technological advances and things like that. And that's briefly commented on in the show as part of the alternate history where in the show, because the Japanese were allowed to become a occupying force and a superpower, um, they never had a, a reason to develop technologically. And the show kind of wove that into some of the narrative um, Mm-hmm. of that world which i that's felt was yeah that was very clever because that's obviously different from the you know real world history and so the little touches that they did like that with the show and kind of made the narrative a little bit mo- more coherent and a little bit punchier i think is is really kind of fascinating and it obviously weaves in some a uh, little bit of cheeky commentary about <laughs> uh the u.s political situation although Given that they started making the show in 2014, I also don't think the show necessarily could have ever really have known or guessed uh, what was Mm. going to happen this year. (laughs) But it should make for really interesting television for season two, which is coming out, I think, on December 16th. So, Oh, I should watch that. I love sort of dystopic 
fiction. So uh, yeah, I'll put that on my <laughs> list of things to watch. Oh, yeah, you should. It's actually really, really well made. Like, I was really surprised because I haven't really watched anything that's been put out by Amazon. Like, I've watched a lot of Netflix originals, but... Mm-hmm. Amazon never struck me as like something that had like, you know, a lot of production uh, weight behind it. But actually, Man in the High Castle is very well produced. Although, if you are someone like me who watches a lot of other sort of maybe operating on on a lower budget television, say superhero shows, you Mm. will recognize that this show was filmed in Vancouver, much like many other TV shows, because you can always tell when something is filmed in Vancouver. Yes, you can. (laughs) Yeah. So when you see a particular scene that has a dam in it, you will recognize that dam from about 15 other shows that you have seen on television. <laughs> that was the only thing that kind of made me laugh. Yeah, I, uh, I've i been watching a show that was in Vancouver, too, and I recognize all the actors. And <laughs> Oh, God. Yeah. I, I mean, it's so great that... Vancouver is like is such a great place for people to like shoot TV shows because obviously it's cheap and they have a lot of like really nice like wooded areas around but it's you can only see the same locations so many times yeah, <laughs> yeah like I remember the X-Files and yes. you know they were supposed to be all over the states and it's like <laughs> no this is definitely British Columbia <laughs> yeah like they had they had a, a part of the show in Man in the High Castle that was Catskills, New York State. And I'm like, I grew up in the Catskills. That is about spinning distance from where I grew up and where my dad's house is. That is not what the Catskills look like. There are far too many pine trees and those mountains are way too big. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Anything else you've been up to? Um, not too much. Just just that. Yeah. No. Have you had any articles or anything come out lately? Oh, um, oh gosh. Uh, not super, super recently, but I did get to write about uh, Sombra uh, uh, immediately following her release at BlizzCon, which I attended, which was a lot of fun. Um, I wrote about her for uh, Paste Games, and that actually has been the start of like a writing break that I've had to take because my day job is so busy, but... Mm. Uh, people should keep an eye out mm. on some gaming sites, particularly uh, around the end of the year stuff. That's all I'll say. All right. Mm. We will keep our eyes open <laughs> and on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> all right. Riley, what have you been up to? Uh, well, not, uh, not a, a whole lot. Um, but I did uh, finish the main, uh, like, story, I guess, in um, Mystic Messenger. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's, like, five different routes you can take during the game, and I finished the fifth one. Um, and I'm surprised that they don't give, uh, like, like a recommended order, because the, the last one that I did was, uh, like, all of the really good like behind the scenes kind of spoilery stuff was in that one Mm -hmm. so if i had done that first uh, like all the other ones would have been uh, like i would have been like well i know what's going on here (laughs) so this Uh isn't as exciting or mysterious but i don't know um and it was good like i'm surprised 
that that game is free, first of all. Um, <laughs> yeah. Because I played it for like 55 <laughs> days in a row. <laughs> um, and, uh, and like, I think I mentioned this last time, but it's all like voice acted and everything too. So mm-hmm. I think the, like they must be getting their money from people doing the in-game app purchases and then they have uh like things you can buy outside the game like one of the things is like this vip box where you get like a bunch of different items and then you get like calling cards so that you can call the characters without having to spend hourglasses mm-hmm. and then i think what's left now in the game is some secret routes but they're not like it's uh i was talking to uh zufi because she was kind of playing it the same time that i was and uh, she was saying that the the secret stuff is less less like the main game and more uh, like I guess visual novel type thing. Like there's no chat rooms or anything. And oh, okay. Stuff like that. So I'm kind of interested to see what's going on. And I will need to give them my money because I don't want to go through the game again to farm hourglasses. So I'm just gonna buy some. Right. <laughs> and I don't feel too bad about it because. I don't know. I had a yeah. lot of fun playing. It, I mean, so at this point, okay. you put so many hours into the game. I think tossing right. them a couple bucks is reasonable. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think it's like three dollars for a hundred hourglasses or something that'll get me through what I need to get through. So, yeah, yeah. It's weird not checking my phone like every three hours. <laughs> <laughs> Waking up to like little buzzes on my phone from fake people text messaging me, but. Um, <laughs> I've I've been sleeping better, so that's oh, good. That's, that's good. You good. Know. Oh my god! <laughs> you don't you don't have to wake up at three a.m. to talk to anime that's boys. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I wouldn't even do that so, yeah. for my own family. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't do that for my oh, yeah. family. So <laughs> yeah, when I played Mystic Messenger, I didn't even put the notifications on. Like I had to actually oh, no. go in to see if anything anything was happening because notifications bother me. Like if I get more than a couple text messages <laughs> in an hour, I get angry and I just like. My phone is oh, generally no. completely silent, so <laughs> yep. I never know when people are trying to reach me. Same. That's that's kind of where I am at with my smartphone. <laughs> like, just, just please don't talk to me ever. Don't yep. make noise. <laughs> I don't use this for anything other than sending messages. Yeah. Nobody send me anything. Thank you. <laughs> exactly. Um, and other than that, like I haven't I haven't played any games uh, at all. And I don't know, like, I've just been, it's this time of year, right, where um, things are getting busier at work, and then uh, I'm tired, like, all the time. Yeah. <laughs> um. So I watched uh, Black Mirror, nice. and Netflix doesn't have all the seasons, like, they have, uh, I don't know how, I don't even know how many episodes are regularly in each season. Like four or so. Yeah, four. Okay. Or six. Four or four six. Four or six. Yeah. Yeah, I think there was six in in season three. So I watched all of those, and I watched one, three. the Christmas one. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure so, why the first two seasons aren't on there. I think because Netflix made the last season, didn't they? Oh. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, that was. Uh... God, like, what did I watch? first the social media one i watched first i just watched them in order because uh i didn't realize they were all like standalone episodes so i was worried about missing something but you don't need to worry about that at all with this which is nice um 
So I, I just kind of went in order anyway, but I watched the social media one, um, which <laughs> I was like watching that the whole time. And I was like, man, she's so like not who she is in real life on social media. And I'm like, neither am I. <laughs> <laughs> really makes you um, think. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I like the whole thing, like all of the episodes were were really well done um i both loved and also hated the the gaming one like the vr Mm -hmm. yeah episode yeah i was just like what is this and then like two seconds later i was like what is going on (laughs) um and i can't even really say anything about it because it's be like super spoilery to say anything about any of the episodes uh but like they seem to have a thing for like this augmented reality like changing changing actual reality mm-hmm. um that kind of like rolls through each each episode which i thought was kind of interesting like they're all connected somehow with the technology that they that they talk about or or show um in each episode which i thought was kind of cool um because we're probably not too far away from having like i don't know huds and stuff on like especially i like i feel like in cars that's probably already a thing it is yeah it, it, like some of the yeah. real new models, like I actually got to see it uh, in uh, somebody's car. Yeah, the like a lot of the heads up stuff is literally like paint, not painted, but like digitally displayed yeah. on the fucking windshield. And I'm like, whoa, that's <laughs> fucking weird. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I uh, and like the the like the I the stuff that goes in their eyes or whatever, like the contacts that show them, like especially the the social media episode where it's like shows you the person and then you can like actively flip through what would be, I guess, essentially like their Instagram feed or something. Mm -hmm. Um, Which, like, that's kind of fucked up. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Where it's like you know who the person is and then you automatically know like what they've been doing all day. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. They, I mean, like, Black Mirror does explore some really interesting... Like, I think it does make some really interesting commentary on some mm-hmm. things. Like, the social media one in particular, because I'm still making my way through season three, um, actually did make some really interesting things uh, in a way that I don't think they entirely intended. Like, the whole thing, I was like, well, it's a little bit unbelievable that you get, be able to get this many people to, like buy into a social media driven society given how much we hate millennials um but uh well once everybody else dies off yeah exactly but then it (laughs) will be we'll be good what they unintentionally did is also make a commentary on the striation of like classes and stuff like that like Mm. how your your life is automatically way shittier if you're yeah part of a certain lower than a three yeah exactly so like that actually was actually a really good commentary, uh, but a lot of times Black Mirror gets into the like, "What if X, but too much," you know, and like, <laughs> you know, and they also kind of rely like the thing that I have a problem with with Black Mirror is that um, after season one, I had to start reading episode synopses of the episodes before oh. I watched them because nobody told me about how bad season one was going to be with a lot of the like sexual content 
Um, yeah. And so I went into season one and watched that first episode and was completely fucking destroyed, like emotionally. So now I have to read episode synopses before I watch the actual Mm -hmm. episode, which sucks because of spoilers. But on the other hand, it's like, I cannot go into a Black Mirror episode and be like, gotcha with like something actually Uh, kind of gross. So Mm -hmm. shocked, shocked for the shock value that actually yeah hurts people yeah, yeah but season three seems like it's actually a little bit lighter on that sort of stuff which is which makes me glad like everybody also was yeah. raving about like san junipero and was saying i mm-hmm. have to Ugh. watch that episode i have to watch it yeah so. you do yeah that's <laughs> that's like the only like not just dis- destroying that's like a good feel episode. good one. Yeah. Yeah. yeah 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 everything else is like really depressing yeah. and not yeah. terrible and this one that one's actually kind of i'd watch makes you feel a little better i'd watch out for like i think the second episode uh, that's the gaming one yeah, right gaming oh one. maybe that's the third one then the one with the guy who's being told to do things he's like being blackmailed yes actually, i actually yeah. i read the i read the episode synopsis for okay. that one i'm gonna be skipping mm. that one actually yeah yeah. yeah i don't yeah that's content i can't handle yeah. at all so actually for people watching the first time like i just suggest skipping episode like season one episode one just because it's sort of yeah. gross and not as yeah. effective as the rest of them i find it, like it, yeah it's really not or yeah do what i do read an episode synopsis and say is this something i'd be comfortable with watching is this something that i can be emotionally prepared for season uh, like uh season one episode two also kind of hinges on some of that stuff but it's a lot more subtle so again if you think that you can't really handle this. You're not in the right mindset. Read an episode synopsis or skip it. Like you can always come back. They're not narratively linked and you can watch them completely out of order. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't matter at all. So mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. And then to go on a completely different track, <laughs> uh, I woke up at 5 a.m. last Friday <laughs> to watch uh, the Mnet Asian Music Awards. Mm. Um. And in shorthand, that's the the mamas, I guess. Um, and they, yeah, it's such a funny, funny acronym. <laughs> um, and uh, it's basically like, uh, like kind of like the Grammys, but but for uh, Asian music. Mm-hmm. Um, so I watched like the red carpet, and I watched um, like the whole the whole awards part of it. Um, there were a lot less like, uh, w- like weird pausing moments where they were like waiting, like they would play the music and people would kind of like walk, kind of like the Oscars where it takes forever. Mm-hmm. Um, but this was actually like condensed into, I think a good like three hour chunk, and then it was completely done. Like there, w- it wasn't slow, and like, a they all dress freaking amazingly, <laughs> um, and. Uh, the three groups that I'm paying attention to right now each won an award, so I was really happy about that. Oh, nice. Yeah. And uh, and then on Spotify, I noticed recently that they made, like, official playlists for uh, two of the uh, boy groups that I'm listening to, which is EXO and BTS. Mm-hmm. And I'm, like, really excited about it because it's, like, people are noticing them and they're <laughs> happy about it. More people and I guess to talk like about K-pop with. <laughs> yes, the more people that I can talk to K-pop with, the better. And uh, they, a couple of them, I think, are coming actually to the U.S. for tours. And I'm like looking 
like half seriously at like driving into uh, Newark, New Jersey to go <laughs> oh, see one Oh no, of them. no, don't do that. Your life has so much more meaning than going to Newark for any fucking reason. <laughs> well, I'm hoping, I'm hoping that that there'll be like a Toronto stop because they've been a couple of them have been to Toronto before, yeah, but not yeah. not in like the big venues here. So I'm hoping, I'm hoping they'll come back to Toronto so that because like. Ugh, Justifying like even flying, I think is like six hundred dollars round trip, and then oh yeah, that's oh, God, um, yeah. ticket prices plus, um, like staying there. Uh, our dollar is not very good compared to the U.S. dollar right now, so it wouldn't. I don't know if it would be worth it, but I really want to see them. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, just wait. <laughs> they'll come to Canada at some point. They've been here before, so they'll come again. Ugh. I but I don't want to wait. I'm so surprised that, like, well, not surprised. Uh, I guess uh, a better word is amused, I guess, because I used to be really big into K-pop very long time ago, back when uh, back when the internet was still very young. I was really big mm-hmm. into K-pop, and you just, like, I don't actually know how I got into K-pop other than I think, like, my college roommate was into K-pop, and there was no, like, community for it. In the United States, you couldn't see any of these guys. Like, I was really into, like, Xinhua. Uh, and it was mm-hmm. just so bizarre because now I go on to Tumblr and the K-pop fandom is huge. And I'm just like, yeah. this is what the internet has brought us. The ability to, like, participate in fandoms for stuff that's, like, around the globe versus, like, yeah. having to, like, find janky MP3s <laughs> and burn them to, like, a CD because you can't get any of their albums in the United States yeah. whatsoever and music sharing had just started, so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, like, so accessible now. Um, and, like, they all have official YouTube channels and... Oh, God, uh, Like, yeah. social media channels. Oh, man, I missed out on so much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's it's so good now and like all the all the fandoms are super active so like each band has their own uh like fandom and they all have names which i don't know whatever but <laughs> <laughs> there's like there's so many people and like um so many people are translating things too so even um like the variety shows that they do uh like every every week or whatever people will translate them for mm-hmm. you which is nice That's cool. um so like <laughs> i've watched <laughs> maybe this is why i haven't been playing games uh, <laughs> i've watched a lot of uh it's called weekly idol and like every week they have a different uh like k-pop idol on um and they do like games and other things uh but like people translate it and you can watch it so even if you can't catch the like the live broadcast because i don't even know where you would watch it um there's like YouTube channels that are dedicated to translating things for English speaking fans and then like a bunch of other languages too, um, which is kind of cool. So yeah, it's like, it's everywhere and I love it. I love it so much. (laughs) Anyway, take, take us out of the K-pop world, Pam. (laughs) Right. (laughs) First of all, I guess we're kind of staying here for a little bit. Uh, I finished Mystic Messenger (laughs) My game ended not long <laughs> after we recorded last. Uh, it might even have been that day. 
But mm-hmm. um, I was, you know, talking to people and, you know, not being nice to any of the guys and only being nice <laughs> to Jayhe. And then it got to a part where Yusung just loses his mind and starts talking about how everyone's been, like, programmed by seven or something Ooh. and they're all robots or i don't i don't even know and then i mean he's not wrong and then, <laughs> and then jay he berated me and she's like you know what we have to deal with this let's cancel the party you should just pick someone next time and i was like oh Ooh. like pick the young annoying boy or like the narcissist boy like i don't i don't want to <laughs> uh so that was the end of my game Oh, that was wow. that was the bad ending. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, I think that was on day five, day four or five. So yeah, probably where it rolls over. Yeah, once you like gained enough affection. Mm-hmm. Wait a minute, so you have to like already set your heart on somebody in under a week, game time. Yeah, yeah. You, um, four days. You gain heart. Yeah, <laughs> you gain hearts by like your interactions with people. Okay. So, uh, if you basically like respond in nice ways to them, you get hearts. And I guess I just wasn't nice enough to anyone. So, wow. So That's... I did not. <laughs> eh. <laughs> eh. <laughs> yeah, I thought maybe I had been nice enough to Jayhee, but apparently not. I don't remember ever. Maybe it's because I just missed things because I wasn't uh. willing to get up in the morning. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. She should get up for you. Exactly. <laughs> You're worth it. <laughs> um, other than that, I've been playing Overwatch, which is just an emotional roller coaster. Uh, I I play like mostly competitive. So first of all, competitive ranks went down a lot this season. Uh, they had said that sort of too many people ended up in gold and platinum last season. So last season i was 2200 this season i was 1600 whoa uh yeah so it went down quite a lot although it means that i feel like i win more like i can i'm more capable of gaining i'm still trying to get up to gold again but it's just yo-yo is between like really great matches where i play may and i feel like i'm just kicking ass and like playing above my actual skill level to then games where no one talks and as soon as you get in it's just like genji hanzo soldier reaper and it's like could people please pick the tanks and healers so yeah. i don't know people and just people just get really salty about things if you ask them to you know change their character or if you do something that they don't like i had someone really really mad at me because he put someone to sleep as anna and i woke them up and apparently that lost us the entire game no so uh, i've just been oh, that one mistake yeah. that one mistake it ruined all five minutes of the match we couldn't take that <laughs> first point just because of that yeah no it's a, yeah, that's what people really like i i've been not really want wanting to do competitive just because I think a lot of people want to be into competitive, but don't have the mindset for competitive, which is that this is a team game. This is absolutely mm-hmm. 100% a team mm-hmm. game. It will make or break your experience. And um, people go into competitive with still that mindset that this is like, uh, like another first person shooter where you can be a lone wolf and rack up kills and look really good. And I'm like, no, that's absolutely not what wins games. It's teamwork. Mm-hmm. The difference between 
even a quick play game where everybody sort of sticks together and pushes the objective or pushes the payload is so different from a match where everybody's off doing their own thing. It just doesn't work. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. And especially in competitive, like when people are actually on their mics and talking, it goes better than when no one talks at all. Mm -hmm. Though I did have the experience where someone, um, we were playing a match and we were doing just terribly and uh, someone left from the other team, which like sucks for them, but you know, it happens to everyone. And then one person on my team was like, oh, well, this isn't fair. I'm just going to stay in our base. oh (laughs) yeah so he's like there's no honor in winning like this and i was like oh my god (laughs) fuck your honor just play i need a win like (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) so (laughs) so yeah it's been up and down (laughs) um other than that i watched pop star which is the Andy Samberg mm-hmm. movie, like mockumentary. Oh. It was pretty funny. I've always liked him and the Lonely Island. Yes, and it was basically like Lonely Island, the movie. Uh, <laughs> awesome. <laughs> yeah, it was good. There was lots of like little guest cameos by real musicians and stuff who were like talking about the band that he was in. Uh, so I liked that. It was definitely enjoyable to watch. Um, and then the other thing I've been watching is the L word for like the fourth or fifth time. <laughs> um, it's like, <laughs> I love that show. It's so like pulpy. It's like Melrose Place, except a lot hotter. Like everyone's just having sex and cheating on everyone all the time, but right? there's slightly less murder. <laughs> yes. <So. laughs> I, 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 really got into the L word when it first came out because obviously I was like a little baby bi girl and like obviously I didn't like some of the content on the show because they like really treated Jenny like shit and she was the very obvious bisexual woman on that show despite the fact that you know Tina also bisexual uh but like other than that yeah the show super hot totally dramatic about literally everything and it was so great because it was all women like it was all women with all these like different personalities all being like ah i'm not gonna see you anymore but then i'm gonna totally make out with your best friend like, yeah next day or whatever and like oh it's so great like because that was just not something you had seen on tv like ever mm-hmm. up until that point yeah definitely it's uh it's just so like I don't know. It's so dramatic and good. And I agree with you about the bi people. Like even, um, oh my God, Alice. Alice is like the one person who's actually like, I'm bisexual. But even the other girls are sort of like, eh, make up your mind, like stuff like that, which isn't great. But um, yeah, I really, I really like that show. And there's just like so many different kind of um, actors and everything on it. And as I was saying, this is also filmed in Vancouver, although I think they did a very good job of making Vancouver look like L.A. in this case. Yes, uh, but, sort of. Sort but, of. <laughs> but there's still so many people, like there's so many people from Battlestar Galactica who have bit roles on this part. I was just watching an episode yesterday where there's this like, lesbian vampire and i was like who is that i know who that is and it's ali from the 100 and (laughs) so there's just like so many (laughs) actors in this show like everyone makes an appearance and it's it's awesome uh i've also read a book yesterday called damage done 
which is a young adult novel by Amanda Panich. And it's about a girl who had a twin brother who, um, like, shot a bunch of people at his school. So her family has to uh, move away and sort of start new lives because they can't take the kind of scrutiny and everything that comes with that. And it's obviously very influenced by, like, Gillian Flynn and the sort of gone girl type uh type books and it was a really like it was a real page turner like I got through it in just a couple days but it wasn't actually that good of a book it was very inconsistent with its characters and it had events that are dumb and a lot of the time I would read it and be like no one would react like that so uh but it was a fun sort of quick read I've been trying to get to my goodreads goal so I have to read quick quick books <laughs> Uh, and then the last thing i started listening to let's watch two movies with um maddie and mary ellen and i've been really liking that i sort of binged listened to all the episodes they had their first couple were actually my favorites the first episode was about the neon demon which i talked a little bit about earlier on an earlier episode but like everything i felt about neon demon they sort of managed to put into words that i couldn't do myself yeah so that was good (laughs) and then the next one because they take two movies even though they only talk about one movie per show they like pair up the movies sort of in theme so the next one was about black swan and uh i thought that was a very a very good episode and i really like the shawshank redemption episode because i like that movie (laughs) oh god that was so hysterical, even though it's like one of my favorite movies. I absolutely would agree with all the things that they were kind of like exactly. About yeah, that was the one. That was the first episode I listened to, and I was walking home from work, and I was just like laughing, walking down the sidewalk. So, yeah, like really funny, really good. Check out that podcast for serious, and I'm not just saying that because yes, <laughs> yeah, very funny. Lots of super in depth analysis of these movies. Uh, the last one was Birdman. I haven't seen that yet, so I'm not appreciating that episode as much as I could be but uh I really anything that I've seen I've really liked their uh their take on it and that is it for what I've been playing so we can go on to our main topic which is the game awards and the PlayStation experience uh so the game awards Mm -hmm. is uh pretty self-explanatory it's an award show for gaming apparently (laughs) it's put on (laughs) by jeff Keeley. i believe it came out of the spike game awards and that eventually morphed into this new iteration so they give away a lot of awards you know game of the year best action best rpg uh some that are a little more mm, strange and then they've got some fan nominated things like uh, trending gamer and esports team and esports game and stuff like that. Yeah. So, what did you? What did everyone think about the Game Awards this year? Have you watched them previously? Did you find this one was any better or worse than the last few years? It. I. I. I've watched the last. I think like the last year, year before, a little bit. Last year, I actually watched the full thing because uh, I had. Like, two years prior, I didn't really know. I wasn't as into, like, the gaming scene as I am now. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a very weird game show. Or not game show. Game Awards in that 
it's not an award show like how we think of award show is somebody who comes from like having watched like the Oscars and the Emmys and the Golden Globes and stuff like that. Um, it, it's, I mean, like, yes, it is pretty much one long commercial, but the more uh-huh. that you watch it, the more you realize that that's because that's the only way that Jeff Keighley can basically have this happen. Yeah. And I think mm. that once the game industry kind of recognizes that we need to have an independent um, nonprofit organization like the Academy works for the Oscars, that maybe we can kind of like not treat this like a dog and pony show that's just like super marketing for all of these games. Like like during the game awards itself, you get can get like discounts and sales <laughs> on like the games that are like from the game companies. Like they basically use it as like a temporary sale and stuff like, like they give you like percents off of games and stuff like that, which I thought was like, oh my God, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. But once I think we start to accept that gaming is an artistic medium and we start to set up like more groups that uh, sort of like handle the recognition of the artistic merits of said games, then maybe awards will be less like kind of like a marketing event and more like um, more like the Oscars. Although you could also argue that the Oscars are also a giant marketing event, but <laughs> they at least attempt to pretend that <laughs> that, that they're about recognizing artistic ex- excellence within the industry versus uh, versus just being a very large commercial for said industry. Um, it's a growing pains thing. And I think that this year at least tried to move more into the Game Awards being their own thing artistically um, versus, pr- you know, previous years. Mm-hmm. Uh there were definitely some interesting moments, I will say, like the fact that a lot of the white people in the audience and watching at home didn't know uh, who Run the Jewels or uh, Rim Smurd were, but like, um, <laughs> I also thought the like very sort of touching, almost an embarrassing sense of recognition for Hideo <laughs> Kojima was mm-hmm. a little bit weird. Yeah. But you know yeah. what? If Jeff Keighley wants to while out on about how much he loves Hideo Kojima, you know what? We don't ever get to see sincerity like that in the game industry. So, you know, it's, yeah, yeah, let's let Jeff Keighley cry about Hideo Kojima. Okay, like, just let him fucking <laughs> cry about it. I, you know, like, I, I thought that that was some of the better parts of the awards was just that I got to see some of the cool, like, like, yeah, we're all of us probably were watching for like all of the like big hyped up game, you know, game trailer previews and Mm -hmm. like debuts Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. I mean, that's the realistic reason I was watching. So, I mean, that part was cool. That was actually some of the cool stuff was, you know, getting to see the new like death stranding trailer and things like that. So overall is okay. Yeah. Yeah. I watched it. I don't think I've ever watched a full, like, a full um, Game Awards show before. Um, and I was only watching this one because the of the Mass Effect trailer that was going to be uh, mm-hmm. in it. And I didn't realize it was going to be at the end. So <laughs> <laughs> I was like, where's Mass Effect? Where's Mass Effect? Like every every time they introduce something new, I was like, okay, it's time for Mass Effect. Then <laughs> it never was. <laughs> um, 
I don't know. It's heh. It was weird. Like it just kind of seemed like not not like the typical like awards show that you would think of. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, it's this is all like Jeff Keeley. Like he kind of like this is his thing, right? Like mm-hmm. this is his baby that he yeah know, does kind of like by himself. Yeah. Is that is that right? Yeah. So I mean. I guess you work with what you got. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I I hope it, it kind of, like, morphs into something a little more, like, professional. I don't know if that's the right word. Um, yeah. I don't know. It's – because, like, every time I watch it or, like, when I've seen people talk about it or when I was watching it before, I was like, eh, this is kind of – like cringy a lot of times yeah Yeah. so i don't know i think they just uh sort of need to focus on what should be the main event which is the actual awards like when they do Mm -hmm. it like uh what was the like best artistic direction i think was the first award given actually Mm -hmm. i wrote down it was something ridiculous it was like 28 minutes or 35 minutes or something before they actually gave an award out if you don't count the kojima (laughs) one like before they actually had a here are the nominees and here's who wins the award it was a long time before that actually happened uh, yeah. But when mm. they did that, they did it well. Like, they announced them. They showed nice little clips from the game. They let people come up and have their speech. But that just didn't happen for very many of the awards. A lot of them were just like, oh, and you also won this. Like, Inside won the Best Artistic Direction. And then it's like, oh, yes, and also you won the Indie Game of the Year. So that means that the other indie games didn't, you know, have their little moment in the sun for being nominated. Uh. Yeah, which it makes you upset because it feels like Inside was the one game that was of an indie space, one of the like more indie games, mm-hmm. other than like Firewatch, mm-hmm. that actually got nominated at all. And so the fact that it swept any of the awards that were meant for like smaller games or, you know, were even nominated, like the the fact that that was the only one that won made me like really salty especially i mean not because i'm biased because i love the firewatch firewatch but yeah Uh, (laughs) but it felt like they were like saying well you'll be the one non-triple-a game that'll win this Uh, year you know mm. like i don't know that's the thing that i think means that nobody takes the game awards very seriously is because there is so much promotional consideration that you don't feel like the awards are very unbiased and fair yeah Mm -hmm. which you know also happens with the oscars let's be serious the oscars (laughs) are dominated by a panel that's still mostly old white dudes and that's a whole other different sort of bias but when you feel like the awards are slanted towards who's giving the most money to make the awards happen Mm -hmm. that feels a little bit different you know yeah yeah, like at least with uh, the Oscars, at least as far as I understand, like they're on a network, so the network gets the Pays. ad money, and yeah, then yeah. Th- they pay the Oscars. So it's like whereas here, it's just like publishers directly giving money into the awards that they could be winning. Yeah, exactly, yeah. and that's also why a two-hour show can only show like three award 
categories, you know, because there's so many ads and there's so many like we're behind the scenes on the like Radeon Red Room show yeah. <laughs> from the new Assassin's Creed movie, you know, versus like another award for like best indie game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. Because there was one point where Jeff Keighley was up on stage and he just read off like four awards. Oh, we can't do them all on stage, but this was best RPG and this was best best whatever and this was yeah and he just like listed them off and like so they didn't get a chance to talk they didn't get a chance to like see the other nominees so yeah i definitely there needs to be some sort of focus to let people know like this is actually about achievement in games more so than trailers for new games yeah 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 also genres too how do you award for genres anymore yeah well, yeah, like Uncharted was in like oh, three yeah, like or four categories, narrative and action game, something else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, is it all those things at once? Is it what are we talking about here? Yeah. You know, like mm-hmm. I think that I think that also is a little bit less meaningful now that games have sort of gotten so big and so ubiquitous. Like, you know, like last year there was something ridiculous where they basically put. Like something on Witcher, like Witcher Three versus Undertale, yeah. uh, best RPG. Like what? <laughs> How does that even fucking work? Undertale was made by like three people. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think the categories definitely need some uh, some refinement and some definition. Um, I know that happens in in movie things, like with the Golden Globes and some things are like comedy musical and some things are drama. And like, what was it? The Martian was nominated oh. for comedy musical comedy. one year. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> but what? Yeah. <laughs> How does that even work? I don't know. But yeah, they need to sort of define things better. I think their categories could definitely be better uh one thing that i was sort of peeved about and i know i'm not the only one was that the winner of best rpg was a dlc for the witcher 3 yeah it's like were there no other rpgs that you could nominate like the witcher 3 had its day in the sun it won like four awards last year like maybe you shouldn't give awards to dlc unless it's best dlc Yeah. yeah Yeah. Cool it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So the awards started with that Hideo Kojima uh, sort of tribute and world <laughs> premiere of uh, Death Stranding. What do you What do you think about Death Stranding? I don't even know what to think. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> the only thing that I was I was like. Sitting here watching, and I was like, "Oh, look! It's Guillermo del Toro. He's so cute and CG. Look at him." <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I saw Mads Mikkelsen, and I sat back in my chair, and I was like, <laughs> "Yeah, <laughs> I was like, this is illegal." <laughs> oh, I I got so I got so amused by the fact that there were like legitimately like game journalist guys in particular that were like. Oh my god, like is anybody gonna actually know who Mads Mickelson is? And I was like, Oh, I don't Please. know. All of the women losing their fucking shit right now on fucking yeah. Twitter because mm-hmm. they're all Hannibal fans. Like what what are you even talking about right now, dude? Like yeah. I, there's there's a whole world outside of your 
outside of your sphere of influence. Like, mm-hmm. Mads Mikkelsen is the hottest <laughs> slice of bread on the fucking planet right now, okay? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, and, like, I, like, I'm just so impressed by, like, I have so many problems with Hideo Kojima as, a, as an auteur or the fact that we consider him an auteur versus him having, like, a whole studio of people. And there's so many very obvious criticisms that so many other people have made of Hideo Kojima. But, man... He will just fucking lean into how into his friends he is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, he just doesn't care. He loves these dudes. He's so friends with them. He, like, obviously really wants them to be part of this, like, spectacle of whatever this game is going to be. And for me, it feels like not being a super hyper intense fan of all of his works, I've never actually played anything. Metal Gear or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, it strikes me as a like surreal, um, like war horror sort of game. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And the part of the name, like Death Stranding, seems like a little bit now more of an indication of what the game's going to actually be about because. I noticed a lot of the, like, war imagery was also tied up in, like, the, like, army was, like, literally skeletons. Mm -hmm. And so I have this, like, feeling that it's going to be about, like, this post-apocalyptic future where, like, literal death has, like, come to life, if that makes any sense. And it's going to be, like, the last few surviving, like, flesh bags versus, like, an actual <laughs> army of skeletons driven by, like, death juice. I don't fucking know. I don't, <laughs> like, you know, it's all going to be metaphorical and deeply confusing, but the fact that everything looks very, like, gory and full of, like, falling apart organs and, yeah. and black skeleton armies and, and very, like, umbilical cords and stuff like that, like, it seems like Hideo's doing a very big, like, opus, swan song. Hmm. Like, let's talk about life yeah. versus death and what that means from, like, a very visceral level. And I do mean visceral in, like, the actual literal fucking Yeah, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that sounds cool. I like your description of it. Because when I watched yeah, the trailer, I was just like, this is just weird shit for the sake of weird shit like <laughs> i mean it might also be that yeah. too yeah it might just be that too like like let's 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 be real let's be real it's Hideo Kojima. So, <laughs> it might just be like his his own like interpretation of of uh you know whatever movies and tv he's watched over the last like two years but i think it I think it's playing on it's it's probably going to play on some very real ideas about um what life actually constitutes and what it means in the face of like you know like is it constrained by flesh is it constrained by time is it const- you know like what happens when you pit humanity against actual death made flesh i guess it would be my guess hmm. I mean, I'm looking forward to seeing a little bit more about it. Uh, so, Riley, once once we finally got to the Mass Effect gameplay, what did you think? You know, I, I don't get me wrong. I love Mass Effect, but the character movements always look so fucking weird. Mm. Like, 
I think they showed uh, like Ryder taking the gun from somebody, and it was like a gentle like caress of her <laughs> hands, like taking the gun and turning it around. And I was like, "Girl, you just like ripped the gun out of her hands. Couldn't you make it look a little more aggressive?" But I guess that's like the limit of the engine that they're doing it in. Mm-hmm. Um, and it looks like it's gonna have a lot of elements from Dragon Age Inquisition with crafting, bull, yeah, and scanning and. Crafting and, like, collection of, mm-hmm. like, in D- Dragon Age uh, Inquisition, you collected, like, herbs and plants and stuff. And so in this one, it kind of looks like there's going to be a similar thing. Um, and they were like, oh, it's going to be so open world. And I was like, fucking shit. Yeah. Because um, <laughs> I really don't want that. But, I mean, it looks really good, like, always. And I'm, like, I'm so interested in figuring out more about like, who the characters are, like, the squad mates and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I was excited. I, like, as always, it's never enough information. Um, so it's kind of like, when do we get to see more? Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I was, I was pretty excited and glad to finally see it. But, like, hearing, hearing that it's going to be similar to Dragon Age Inquisition, I was like, <sighs> yeah. <sighs> Yeah, I was so. happy to see, like, the dialogue wheel and, like, the renegade yeah. actions or whatever. Yeah. Uh, I wasn't happy to see the gathering or the scanning. Nope. I mean, after mm-hmm. Dragon Age Inquisition, like, I was giving myself a repetitive stress injury by clicking the <laughs> stick so much. I was even doing it in games <laughs> where that wasn't even a thing. Like, I would, oh, no. I would put on some other Xbox game and I would just be, like, <laughs> clicking the stick, like, show me the things. And it's like, oh, that's the wrong game. <laughs> God, yeah. So I was excited that they showed the combat and looked like it was Vanguard combat because that was yes. that, that's my class. That looked really cool with like the flipping over. Oh, another thing I noticed was that it seemed kind of similar to No Man's Sky, which I thought was really interesting. Similar how? First, it looked a lot uh, like some of the bases that you can find in No Man's Sky looked very similar to mm-hmm. what they were showing on the screen. Um, and, like, the little robot dudes that come out after you, like, damage something, that's very No Man's Sky. So, I, and I saw a couple comments on Twitter that were, like, (laughs) Mass Effect is just taking No Man's Sky and, like, putting it into, like, a Mass Effect universe. And just putting it in there. Uh, so I was, I was kind of interested in that. And, like, and seeing the, like, I guess the... They didn't call it a Mako, but, I mean, that's what it is to me. So they showed, like, the Mako, which was kind of cool. And I guess you can, like, customize that, too. But yeah. I haven't heard anything more concrete on it. Yeah, so. I, uh, my problem with the Mako was never the actual Mako. It was the, like, the level design on the planets <laughs> and the mountains that you were have to scale with the Mako. Like, as long as there's no mountains to scale, then I'm fine <laughs> with it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh. All right. Yeah, it was cool. I mean, looking forward to it as always. So. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, were there any other? I mean, I know it's supposed to be a game show about awards, but they don't <laughs> think it is. So, <laughs> were there any other trailers or premieres that stuck out for anyone? Um, not. Uh, I mean, like, I was uh not trailers so much because uh, they they only showed a couple and. Uh, I, I don't play a lot of games <laughs> in general <laughs> that they would be highlighting at the uh, 
at the award show, the Death Stranding thing was basically the big thing for me, just because I was just kind of very curious about it. Um, I yeah. like that Firewatch got a couple of awards. Didn't win them, but, hmm. you know, got nominated. Yeah. Uh, Overwatch took home two awards that I thought were really cool. Yeah. Uh, um, mostly because, like, if I had to... Like, if I had to pick a game of the year, it probably would be Overwatch for me. Yeah. Um. So it was nice to see that kind of recognized because I don't feel like I've ever seen Blizzard win industry awards like that. Like, I know that they have because I have literally seen the industry awards that they have won sitting in a glass case at, like, Blizzard <laughs> Studios. Um. But I don't feel like they've ever won industry awards that are like of the popular like like of the community mm. because guess what they haven't technically put out new games in like you know like yeah. new, new games in like years and overwatch was like their big gamble to break into a non niche genre sort of uh, uh space mm-hmm. that wasn't what, like with warcraft or, or hearthstone um and and it won big this year. It really fucking took off. And now I feel like Blizzard has sort of landed on the map for a lot of like quote unquote like normal gamers who would never play Warcraft, who don't care about Hearthstone, who don't care about literally anything Blizzard has done up until this point except maybe like StarCraft. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um because it's a competitive game. So it was really interesting to see them actually like get an award and win it and walk up on stage and talk at an award show. Cause I thought I would never, ever see that happen, you know, prior yeah. to this year. So they also won best game direction, which is yeah. a category I find a little, uh, nebulous. Like what is game direction? Like when I <laughs> thought of it, I thought like, okay, the director of a game, but it, it sort of sounded when they're describing it kind of like innovation, kind of not. It was sort of a a weird category I found. Yeah. I mean, cuz if you think about a movie, okay, a director is the person who I mean, it's the person we frequently label as like the auteur, which isn't necessarily true because um while a director is somebody who may or may not have the overwhelming vision for the game and helps make that happen. A lot of times that's also the producer. A lot of times that's also the cinematographer mm-hmm. and the scriptwriter. Like people always forget scriptwriters and things like that. But with yeah. game direction, it's not as cut and dry as like films. Like mm-hmm. uh, games are so much about a team. But I guess I guess what they're trying to go for is something a little bit more analogous to that first definition of like who shaped the overall vision of the game and made that come to fruition, I guess. But then and, it's still like yeah. the nominees were like Blizzard, Naughty Dog, whoever else was on there. It was Yeah. <laughs> like it seemed like it should go to either a person or a game. And the fact that it was just like Blizzard was i don't know it made me sort of not really understand what the award was for yeah like i understand that like i I think like maybe if they're trying to describe it as in terms of like the game itself had good direction that all of the like component parts kind of came together to form a cohesive whole maybe Hmm. 
But I'm like, that's still really weird because, like, it wasn't Blizzard as a whole as a company. Blizzard has a team that works on Overwatch specifically. It's yeah. not the entire company, you know? And especially because, like, Metzen's gone. And Metzen, like, Overwatch was Metzen's baby in a lot of ways. So, it, obviously, I mean, the award got talked about by Jeff Kaplan because he technically is the, uh, like, lead the lead developer on that game. Um, but yeah, that is kind of a nebulous, a nebulous, <laughs> like, yeah. How do you, how do you tell when all of the pieces of a game come together in a cohesive way? If that even is what, yeah. Like what's the criteria for this? Like, yeah. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yes, I think Overwatch is a great game, but what criteria did it hit to like win that award? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like it's hard. Because I do like Overwatch, and I do think that it creatively did a lot of things in a lot of really interesting ways. But yeah, I don't know what that how that fits into direction necessarily. Because I don't know that much about games in that way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Does anyone really? No, I, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> do, I, and if if they do, can you please tell us? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, were there any? In terms of the actual awards, any surprises or disappointments? I mean, obviously, Firewatch was disappointing oh, for not yeah. winning. but Yeah. I was yeah. really, really disappointed they didn't win the voice actor one. Oh, mm-hmm. my God. Yeah. Because they, like, especially um, for Delilah's character, like, the the voice acting in, in that role to be able to make you care about that character so much without ever seeing her, mm-hmm. like, that is an incredible performance. And I feel like... Stupid Nolan North should not have won <laughs> that oh, yeah. award. Like Sissy, Sissy Jones fucking carried. Now when she she carried the the game, she fucking stole the show. Yeah. in a lot of ways, which is hard because Rich Sumner is also a fucking amazing actor, yes. yeah. and he yeah. did such a great job. But it was literally just the two of them carrying that whole game. Yeah, mm-hmm. on their like because you don't see Henry for the most part, and you don't you definitely don't see Delilah. You are completely carried through that story by the power of them being emotional in yeah. in what a game that takes at tops three four hours. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Know? They're like both of them. Both of their performances were were so so good, and I I just wish that. Firewatch had gotten that recognition because, like, sure, you know, Uncharted is good. Don't get me wrong. I love Nathan Drake. But, like, <laughs> you know, just. Ah. Yeah. It just seemed like the <laughs> obvious put one. Words. It's just like Nolan yes. North playing Nolan North. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. I mean, it's his last Uncharted game, right? Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. still. And then yeah, he came getting... up and through the union under the bus oh yeah fucking sounded like it yeah (laughs) which is also kind of doubly annoying because then if you do think about like him winning over like you know the two actors from firewatch who definitely are a part of sag aftra as well especially sissy jones uh like that's also like doubly fucking insulting to not only insult Mm -hmm. the, the, the 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 union but to also insult the like other voice actors in the fucking in yeah. the fucking nomination categories just yeah. Shit on. yeah and again that's like that's another situation where a big triple a title is being pitted against a fucking game title that was made by like 20 people mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> you know mm-hmm. which is I, I mean i think that says a lot more about firewatch 
that it was that yeah. well received and that mm-hmm. visually gorgeous and that well produced and acted, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's it just seemed like such a missed opportunity because he's I mean, he's one of the biggest names in voice acting for sure. And, you know, the general message of like, oh, the performance of every single developer and whatever, like it matters as much as me is like, yes, but like then they should fight to get what they deserve too. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Maybe that's, you know, like maybe that's what the union's actually doing. Like, yes, it's to protect voice actors and actors in general. And that's one of the reasons that I think the performance matters thing has been so interesting is that like voice actors falling under vocal performance and not the game industry is the only reason that this union is able to do this sort of stuff. And I feel like that should be a bigger signal to the game industry to start unionizing, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. yeah. Cause game developers definitely deserve way bigger of a cut than they've probably been getting up into this point. Why do you think, you know, like Ubisoft and Blizzard, these are huge companies. And yet there's definitely people within that company, not making even one, one hundredth of what people on their, on their executive board mm. are making, mm-hmm. you know? That says something. <laughs> yep. I mean, plus all the other issues that could be solved by unions, like the working hours. Yeah. Crunch time. <laughs> Crunch time, life-work balance, yeah. benefits. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> all right. So we've got a couple questions from Twitter about the Game Awards. Uh, the first one is from Brother Dom. He asks, with the male-dominated list of trending gamers, two things. What do you think should be qualifications for trending gamer, and who are some women that you'd nominate based on those ideas? Oh. Whoa. I think... Um. For, well, first of all, I have to say, I think trending gamer is a stupid category. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, like, maybe they could make it better by be- making it, like, most influential gamer something along those lines but like the word Mm. trending really has no meaning of value yeah so yeah and especially because it's a voted it's a a community voted one right Mm. oh it's just a popular vote then yeah so it's not even it's not even a trend it's literally Mm -hmm. who got the most votes yeah and and so yeah trending makes it sound like it's somebody who's up and coming and making headlines and making a splash and then it went to like that boogie dude. I have seen. He's been boogie. around for so long. Yeah. He's been around since like the beginning of YouTube. Like yeah. for real. That's like 10 years. Like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I, I mean, I had trouble thinking of who. I mean, for, first of all, qualifications. I think it should be about something like influence or provided some valuable criticism or something not just yeah. who's mm-hmm. the most popular on YouTube. So um I mean I know PewDiePie was nominated a couple years ago and like he's not exactly a bastion of critical thought but he did provide some value in like bringing awareness to indie games. Uh yeah. but in general I don't feel like doing a let's play and screaming over it is really <laughs> something deserving of uh, some kind of achievement award so i'd like to see it about like actual critical thought and uh someone who produced something 
that sort of makes a difference in games. I'd love to see Anita Sarkeesian nominated just so everyone will lose their minds because I'm an <laughs> asshole yeah. like that. Um. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, like, if you had to go with trending in the last couple of years, Zoe Quinn would absolutely be at the top of that fucking list. Yeah. You know, but That's she's also true. a game developer, so she mm-hmm. wouldn't necessarily be up for that. But it was like the thing that bothered me the most is because it does lack a qualification and it is based on popular vote. Look at the people that have gotten voted in the last two years Total Biscuit and Boogie, both people who have made a substantial career on being like confrontational and prickly mm. yeah. and shitty people on and off social media and stuff like that. And that makes me realize who's voting on this, this stuff. (laughs) So yeah, that's one of the reasons why I don't like popular vote type of things when it comes to like awards ceremony. And yes, I know it's because you want to hook that audience in to watch like the trending gamer is precisely because you want the gamer crowd to watch your show and the esports one is because you want the esports crowd to care about your show. But like, (laughs) yeah, it, who do you think was voting for Total mm-hmm. Biscuit last yeah. year? Yeah. You, yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> um, yeah, I would love to see somebody who made a positive impact in some way on the games community who's yeah. just like a quote unquote gamer, you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, like, there's definitely people who. I mean, there's gamers right now who have done things like like the people who have those gigantic like extra life charity streams or Mm -hmm. um, have done like a really amazing video series that everybody is passing around or have Mm -hmm. done some like really wild cosplays or, uh, you know, won some sort of like local tournament or something like that. Just something that like. Made uh-huh. people actually like give a shit about gamers for once versus like you know like in the in the spirit of what the awards seem to be promoting is that games can do incredible things games make us better people why not make the trending gamer somebody who's a better person <laughs> yeah <laughs> even like the some of the speed runners like the people on Games Done Quick like I'd rather oh, see yeah. them here rather than just like YouTube personalities um, and why pers- isn't Games Done Quick being nominated yeah exactly mm-hmm. yeah. um and then honestly i'd sort of even go the journalist route preferably like i'd rather see someone who's doing really good great games criticism oh yeah than, yeah than these kind of things do you know how the nominations were done like were those yeah those are from games. those are pluck, plucked from uh, uh the awards themselves are people who have been voted in from the industry and that does include games critics like games journalists because i know austin walker talked about his nomination for hmm. uh best fighting game oh yeah got <laughs> snubbed yeah, i seemed <laughs> upset about that <laughs> yeah so it's i think it's like a and this is one of the ways that i think the game awards have come under fire some years is that like when they show off the list of like who gets to nominate it's been dominated by white guys Mm -hmm. from either games companies or journalistic outlets and stuff like that and so that's been kind of a big area of criticism yeah may also explain why certain things get nominated over others Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah but as far as a trend so yeah 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> as for, like, women that I would nominate for trending gamer, this is the problem is, is I don't even know. I wouldn't even know. Yeah, I, yeah. I think um, even uh, the work that, that uh, Tanya DePass is doing would be good to uh, have on there, too. Yeah, that would be really, that yeah. would be good for being up for consideration in that regard. But, yeah. like, all the names that were mentioned are names that I see kind of, like, every day in my Twitter circle of people. <laughs> yeah, they're <laughs> like, people I like know of these people. Millions of followers. Uh, yeah. I actually, I didn't know that many of them. I mean, I sort of knew Buggy. He's the one who does that, like, Francis character, right? Oh, mm-hmm. oh, I meant, like, the names we mentioned. Oh, the names like we mentioned. That yeah, we yeah, were yeah. talking about. Yeah, oh, okay. yeah. Yeah. Um... Yeah, because women aren't Twitter women echo aren't, chamber. Yeah, yeah, women aren't really allowed to be as big and popular as PewDiePie. It's just not right. Like <laughs> mm-hmm. it, it, they're just not like the, like they're just not allowed <laughs> to be funny <laughs> or yeah. smart or or as big as a personality as PewDiePie. Can you imagine a woman having fifty million YouTube followers? God, no! What a nightmare. <laughs> I feel like. <laughs> That would be awful. Yeah. <laughs> Which is bad to even think that way. Like, that that's the first thought that comes to my mind is, wow, that would be so shitty for her. Um. Yeah. <laughs> but also, yeah. how do you get 50 million people to like a woman? You, yeah, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> Yay. <laughs> Sorry. 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 Apple cider bringing it down. That's what I do. I'm a downer. I'm here to make everybody feel sad and stuff. I mean, God, how do I live with myself? Like, but that's that's definitely something I've thought about recently. Is just like, especially because when it comes to like, I mean, like. Y'all ladies know what I'm talking about. Mm. Do you think mm-hmm. a, a woman-centric podcast would ever get as big as anything the McElroys do? Oh, no. 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 <laughs> I mean, they haven't, so. No, so, that, yeah. That's so. right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, that's the kind of thing that's sat on my mind. And so when I watched The Trending Gamer, I was just like, I can't even imagine what woman would be able to be popular enough yeah, she would have to be involved in some sort of scandal, and then they're not going to reward a scandal, mm-hmm. you no. know. No, no, no. So that's the kind of larger issue in pop culture in general that we're working against, you know. And gaming has it in spades, mm-hmm. and and that is a depressing thought, but it's something that I think people should feel uncomfortable about. Maybe not us in particular, because I think we already know how uncomfortable it is. But maybe other people should feel how uncomfortable it feels. Yeah. You know, and especially when you start branching out and thinking about, like, we're just talking about gender. We're literally just talking about (laughs) women. Can, like, the awards ceremonies also had almost literally no people of color handing out, accepting, or being nominated for awards. Like, very few exceptions. I want to say, like... Hideo Kojima is like the obvious standout here but if we want to think about like the fact that there were like no black people handing out or accepting awards they were relegated to the performance section of the show Mm -hmm. um, which is something that uh, Sean Alexander pointed out on uh, Twitter and I was like yeah wow 
he's mm-hmm. right. <laughs> you know, like, so it, uh, gaming still has a huge white dude-ness problem <laughs> in that yeah. way. Yeah. Not just trending gamer. Yeah. I mean, even E3 did better this year, at least with women yeah. on stage. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> All right. Keep so. it real. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for the question, Brother Dom. Yes. Yeah. Uh, the next question is from Bloomtune, who asks, with Hideo Kojima receiving the Industry Icon Award, who would you guys nominate as the first female to receive it? In 2004, when the Game Awards started, it actually went to Roberta and Ken Williams, so a female has gotten the Game Award. But if there's anyone mm. else uh, you think would be a good choice for that hmm oh i know that there's somebody but i can't remember her name off the top of my head which is bad there's two two that come to mind one is aisha tyler just because she's like super visible uh gamer and then she, she like could be the trendy a- gamer yeah. She, yeah yeah she would be a good one for trendy gamer too um industry icon uh Amy Hennig. Yeah. That's who I was thinking of. Amy. Who's that? I don't know. She uh, made Uncharted. Oh. Yeah. And Jack and Daxter. And she's been in games since, like, the NES era. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. She, uh, yeah, she worked for, with Naughty Dog. She also worked for Crystal Dynamics as well. Oh, cool. Tomb Raider. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, like, like Amy Hennig, um... Cool. Uh, I've, I've never heard of her before. Jade Raymond. Uh, who else? I think Shit. Jennifer Hale, just as yeah. the J- most yeah, prolific she did come to mind, voice actor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Like I, here's here's the really sad thing. I'm looking at a list on Wikipedia oh, of no. notable women in the video game <laughs> industry, and there are, and I count one, two, three. Four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen. Fifteen women listed. And <laughs> one of them is Jennifer Hale, who's the voice actress. Mm-hmm. One of them is Yoko Shimomura, who is a very famous video game composer and pianist. Mm. The rest of them are like developers and stuff. So like fifteen. Fifteen notable game women. Like <laughs> That is not very many. <laughs> yeah. On fucking Wikipedia. Like, Ugh. yeah. Um, yeah. And I'm like thinking about some of the women that are even on this list. And I don't, I've never heard of. Huh. Bonnie I Ross. Heard of the composer you mentioned. So yeah. that's a new one for me. Yeah. Um, oh, uh, Kelly Santiago, who came up with. Oh, Kelly Santiago's with that game company, which is like Flow and Flower. Oh, okay. Uh, Journey. Yeah, Journey. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, yeah, like, so there's definitely women who have been in this industry for like a really long time, and yeah, they're never going to get their due. But yeah, I would, I would say like Amy Hennig or, or Jade Raymond, Jennifer Hale are all like really strong, strong picks for that. Mm-hmm. Cool. All right. The next question is from Musty Hobbit, who asks, 
What can Jeff Keighley do to make an event like the Game Awards be taken seriously in the mainstream and not just a marketing event with only a few awards? To me, it feels too much like an extension of E3. I think Apple Cider mentioned a bunch of stuff before when we were first talking about the Game Awards. Um, I agree, it definitely feels like more of like a showcase than an awards-like ceremony. Mm Mm-hmm. I think you just actually need to focus on the awards, which is what we were talking about before, but show all of them, all of the nominees, give everyone a chance for a speech. Um, I know some people take issues with all the trailers and things. I I think they're okay. Like, I mean, that's the audience that's being captivated yeah. right now. So showing game trailers is fine, but it should be like, now we're on our commercial break and here's a bunch of game trailers. It shouldn't be like someone up on stage being like, oh, we're here talking to this developer of this game that's going to come out in two years. Like, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, it, should, it shouldn't be a marketing event for future releases. Mm-hmm. I yeah, mean, yeah. like, they don't, they don't show upcoming... Maybe they do. Maybe I don't even recognize this, but they don't show <laughs> upcoming movie trailers during the Oscars. They celebrate the stuff that came out and had high artistic distinction over the past yeah. year. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's got to be congratulatory in some way versus forward thinking. You'll have that mm-hmm. moment mm-hmm. to do that, which is yeah. literally every fucking day. Yeah. In the game. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> it never stops. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I'd even take out those like the Mass Effect gameplay and the Zelda gameplay like I, that doesn't belong. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. it's obviously to get the audience there, mm-hmm. but if you feel so little about having the audience care about recognizing games, then that's the real fundamental problem is that we as a game industry don't care about stuff as soon as it's over and done with. Mm-hmm. And that's where the focus should be. If you can't get people to care about awarding really good games, which is weird because we totally love the fucking game of the year shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, why then? Why are you doing an award show? Why do you have to hook people in with future marketing stuff? And obviously, yes, that's what financially drives the show, but it needs to show a fundamental regard for caring about stuff that did a really good job of making games look good for the past three hundred and sixty-five. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, they can, award show can sometimes be a little dry, but I feel like, you know, as I said, when they're doing it properly with, you know, nominees and clips shown and everything, it's, it's pretty good and it's interesting, but they can even have, you know, more presenters that people are excited to see. They could have like cosplayers up presenting awards. Like that would be cool. Yeah. That would be neat. Yeah. For like a game dev to get, their award from somebody that's dressed up as one of the characters or like an artist to get mm-hmm. an award based on like a character that they designed and then have a cosplayer present that award as their character that's cool yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. and you know it's like yeah i think that no i think that's where i kind of land on this one is that like have him be about celebrating the game industry for one fucking yeah. night yeah that's what the oscars is about People watch the Oscars because they want to see the people that they care about in the film industry, obviously, wear beautiful dresses and Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. look great. And people also love the Golden Globes because that's where everybody gets fucking trashed (laughs) and, 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 you know, says really goofy stuff. But, like, 
if you want people to show up and care about games, make it about how good the games were of mm-hmm. the past year and make that the spectacle, not it being an upcoming thing. You yeah. Know? Yeah. We all know that Mass Effect 4 <laughs> is going to get awards in three years. Like, yeah. we just, we know that. Okay. So, you know, leave it until then. Like, just, yeah. Just leave it until then. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so the last question about the Game Awards is from Devoted Pupa. What new award would you include? Joke answer and serious answer both would rule. (laughs) (laughs) I thought of a whole bunch of awards that I'd like to see. (laughs) Um, I just, I would like to see sort of more focus on independent games. I would like there to be like a best original game so a game that's not a sequel mm, or a remaster or, a or whatever yeah yeah is there a soundtrack award i'm sure there is yeah uh, sound design and there? music and sound design i think oh that sucks because those are two that's very different that's true <laughs> an, an ost one would be good because there's some games that have like like you could put a whole cd or whatever out of the music that they have Best OST. Yeah, and that's the thing is like I would be like, well, that would only like really go to a couple people. I'm like, no, that actually would go to a lot of people because a lot of games are putting out their own soundtracks now. Like Mm -hmm. it wouldn't just default to like Bioware Mm -hmm. or Blizzard or whatever. Uh, Yeah, there's so many. Yeah, there's a lot. Like if you wanted to pick, like if you had to pick a game, like so, say we're like talking about the 2017 Game Awards. If there's a best sound design or soundtrack award, that should absolutely go to something like Thumper, maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The game is about that. Like, that's, you know, like that sort of thing. Uh, I would love to see one that focused on, like, bringing the artistic thing to the to the, the show means you need a lot more technical awards. That means you need a lot more awards like best animator or animations, yeah. best yeah. environmental design, best sound design, best soundtrack, best score, you know, like. That's yeah. what the Oscars have in spades, and granted, they can't show all of them on TV. It means that people who did really small or individual work or worked in a very small team, I would mm-hmm. love to have an award for best cinematic. Yeah. A lot of games spend so much time on s- developing cinematics for their games, and those teams never get recognized. But again, how m- how much of that would be like, oh, Blizzard, <laughs> you know, or Fire <laughs> yeah. but on yeah, but on the other hand, I think it would show off a side of those game companies that really don't get recognized very often outside of their own, like, you fan know, communities, like, fan communities. Much. Yeah. yeah. Like, cinematics can make or break a game. Look at Final Fantasy. Absolutely. You know, <laughs> you know so I would love to see something. I just want to see more technical awards in general because I want, mm-hmm. like, you know, like, like, so to take Firewatch, for example, like... You know, Jane from Campo Santo created 23 different fucking trees in Unity to (laughs) populate that game, you know? Uh, Like, I would love to see people get awards for environmental and terrain design, that sort of thing. So, yeah, more technical awards would be my serious answer. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. What about silly answers? (laughs) I was thinking, like, like, you know how they have, like, the raspberries, which are, like, uh, for like worst <laughs> things, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they could have like a category, for maybe biggest flop. I think would be oh a good my one. 
God, that would be horrible. But it would be great. But it would <laughs> but be But it'd horrible. be awesome. Yeah. <laughs> it'd be so mean. It would be so fucking mean. Like, uh, but I want I, it. <laughs> I know. I also think, like, the fact that the Game Awards are so about, like, video games and that the video games are, like, trying to not be, like, movies or books or film or whatever. Mm. Like, they should definitely have, like best awkward sex scene yes <laughs> i was thinking something sexual for another one would be good best awkward sex scene i'd also most unrealistic a... boob jiggle like oh my god the boob physics award would be the fu- that would be the hottest competition the entire year is best you know best boob physics and yeah i feel bad because at least one person would step up and be like yeah i worked like 20 hours on this this is what I got <laughs> on these to boobs do. yeah boob you know but like you gotta know okay so jeff Keeley runs these things right mm-hmm. how much do you want to bet that he has an award statue on his mantle for like best jeff Keeley? <laughs> because you know he's gotta like order all of those statuettes what is oh i would order one for myself too yeah of course like best game awards game award (laughs) best host of the game awards (laughs) (laughs) me (laughs) like he has to he has to have it on his fucking mantle that's funny (laughs) All right. (laughs) Okay, so we're also going to talk about PSX. This will probably be a relatively quick discussion since we're going on kind of long. But (laughs) so PlayStation Experience was like PlayStation's own thing. Do they do this often? Like, is this their first one? No, they do it every year. Okay, so it's just like another gaming promotion event where they just go over all their new releases and things that are coming out it's kind of like a convention yeah convention. yeah it's sort of like i actually think it's very close to how blizzcon operates yes where, mm. i mean That's obviously playstation isn't a publisher they're a hardware platform but yeah. it operates in kind of the same way is mm-hmm. they're there to market to their fans and talk about what is coming to the platform respectively and it makes it easier because it means that playstation foots the bill for a lot of their like different publishers that publish to the platform as well so it it's an easier way to get all of those people to kind of show up in one place basically so they had a number of things there were probably 15 or so announcements uh a couple things that stood out for me was that they're remastering a whole bunch of PlayStation 1 games. Yay! Uh, Crash. I'm actually so excited about <laughs> Crash Bandicoot. <laughs> I'm excited about Crash Bandicoot too. I just played that. Uh, I played the second one sometime earlier this year, and I still really liked it. So I think a new, a new Crash Bandicoot with a nicer controller and nicer graphics sounds awesome. Yeah. Uh, they're also redoing Parappa the Rapper. Yeah, which I just played <laughs> last month and I didn't like it at all. So, oh no. <laughs> well, I I liked the game. Like I liked the aesthetic and the music. I just really didn't like the controls. Like it, I couldn't mm. ever find the rhythm. So, uh-huh. uh so hopefully they sort of fix that up a little bit, but I'm excited about that one. There's also one called Padapon, which is like a, a Vita or PSP. I always get those two handles confused, but that one's getting a remake. Uh Wipeout 
So uh, mm-hmm. I think I think this is good because I think the PlayStation One is the sort of prime generation from doing remasters. Like when I hear someone's remastering a PS3 for PS4, I'm like, uh, whatever. Yeah. But PlayStation One, like <laughs> so many people have all this nostalgia for the games, but then when you actually go back and play them, they just look like Ugh. shit because of the polygons and they hadn't really figured them out yet so i poor think poor laura croft and her pointy yeah triangle oh boobs. my god i even remember that like that's just this is a crime that is a crime <laughs> against boobs yeah. <laughs> i actually did hear that Parappa the rapper is actually really good because um jeff gersman from uh, giant bomb got mm. to, he talked about it on friday's uh beast cast where mm. um they made it so that the game is actually works with the fact that now everybody has like widescreen TVs and that means that there's no uh, like input lag. Like with the, the oh. thing that was thing the thing that was big about Parappa is that like you were probably playing it on like a CRT TV back in the day. And so they've modified the controls for a TV that doesn't have input lag and things like that so it's a little bit easier to kind of get into the rhythm versus mm. you know like because and i didn't even think about that that would affect it yeah you know mm. but it seems like they've actually done a really good job of like massaging the sort of rhythm versus the controller to tv to visual display input so that's good that should be a little bit better yeah uh, so I also heard that Sparrow Racing is coming back to Destiny. Yes! <laughs> is that just a holiday thing, or is it a forever thing? It's gonna be permanent! Nice. <laughs> I thought you'd be excited about that one. I am so happy about that. <laughs> I think it's next Tuesday, which is the same time as Overwatch's holiday event, but, like, Sparrow Racing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm excited for... I, I just like holiday events. I'm just yep. a sucker for holiday <laughs> events. Because I'm like, that's where you get all the cool looking stuff. And I want a Santa hat in literally every single game I play because I'm a nerd. <laughs> <laughs> and then the biggest announcement for me, at least, was The Last of Us 2. Yay. Yeah, I'm pretty excited. I found The Last of Us. I liked it. I didn't love it. It took me a while to really sort of get into it and get attached to the characters but Hmm. what sold it for me was the left behind dlc which was just perfect so i'm happy to see that ellie is going to be the main character this time around and uh yeah i think i think it'll go better for me this time because i'm already sort of hooked into the characters so i think i'll enjoy this one more yeah i'm so excited (laughs) <laughs> Were there any other announcements from PSX that anyone is excited about? Uh, I know they talked about Pyre. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, I didn't know that Pyre was coming to PS4, which should be interesting. Because mm-hmm. I think that would be a better format for it than trying to play it on PC, as far as I can tell. Yeah, yeah, I think so. And they also talked about putting Lara Croft Go onto the PS4. Uh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. That seems also really cool. I'm a huge Lara Croft Go fan. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, that's why I mentioned it specifically today because I was like, I know that's the right way. Yeah, I mean, PlayStation games. They always like. For, I don't know. PlayStation seems to always do it 
right in my eyes yeah. where, you know, they've, they seem, and lately, especially this past year, they've been really, really good about supporting the indie devs, um, and having the indie games be either the PlayStation Plus game that you get for that week or, or, or promoting them on their, on their blog. And their podcast is actually pretty good too. And, uh, they talk a lot about, like, uh, I think I heard a lot about, uh, Hohokam, for example, from the podcast. Yeah. Um, which is a really good, uh, like, kind of musical rhythm sort of game. Mm-hmm. Sort of. Uh, <laughs> it's hard to explain. But yeah, PlayStation, like, I'm their fan girl for life, so. <laughs> <laughs> I just got a PS4, like, last year, so I'm not, like, super hooked into it uh, as much as some people. But I'm always interested in seeing what they're going to put on there because I'm not predominantly a console gamer, so when they put something on there that's exclusive, but that also kind of looks like it could fit my play style, I'm always really interested, which is one of the reasons, like, like I got a PS4 to play Journey, uh, which mm. is kind of maybe indicates to what degree of a PlayStation gamer I am. Uh, <laughs> so it's like, <laughs> I I really like that they that they do put so much time into their smaller games and that their independent publishers and, and independent developers and stuff like that get a lot of love as well. Yeah. And that's what I'm looking forward to. Unfortunately, they only ever do their, like, big indie thing is, like, a big montage versus, like, individual yeah. titles. Yeah, so. yeah, that's true. <laughs> but it was cool that I heard that the Pyre was coming to the console, since I think that'll be a little bit better. I also, you know, I'm just excited about, like, any anything like that, like, anything small that, that comes to the platform. Although... The sparrow racing thing absolutely mm-hmm. made me think, oh, I should pick up Destiny again. I, <laughs> yeah. I actually like that. <laughs> I'm actually yeah. good at that. <laughs> that's what, yeah, that's my favorite part of Destiny <laughs> is the sparrow racing. <laughs> well, because it's like something that's not like shooting. Yeah, Which is exactly. so bad to say about a first person shooter. <laughs> yeah, I bought the first person shooter MMO, but I like the racing in it. <laughs> I know, but it's... It is. It is. <laughs> and you get to get, like, the last time Sparrow Racing was on, I got a sweet outfit. Yeah. Like a racing outfit. Specifically a racing outfit. It's not good for anything else. It's good for racing. So I hope, like, there's going to be more. I, there better be more outfits. And there's, like, more more sparrows to collect. All right. So we have one last question from a Latino lawyer. Uh, it's about Sony's holiday commercial for PS4. It showed lots of content for games coming out in 2017. Did PlayStation Experience do enough to satisfy anxiety someone might have about jumping on board a system when the stuff you want to play hasn't even been released? I think that uh, even, like, this is a similar situation to when the PlayStation 4 first came out because there wasn't, there was not a lot going for it at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, like it was like we're putting out a new system. Uh, here's two games. I yeah. can't remember what they were, but it was like it was just two games that they talked about mainly. Mm-hmm. And I think if like for me, uh, we got we got our first PlayStation like I think the day or two after it came out, just because that's like our main console that we play on. But I think the amount of stuff that is on the PS4 now definitely makes up for it and if this stuff all comes out in 2017 that's a lot of content so i think for for me if i hadn't had one i would be buying one now yeah i also just think if you want to play console games in general like 
if you're looking in the market for a console, you have only three options, really. <laughs> yeah. And I think if you want to play the most exclusive and non-exclusive console games, the PS4 is kind of going to be your best bet, unless there's absolutely something you positively, absolutely 100% need on Wii U or Xbox. Yeah. Yeah. Personally. Just bang for buck, but I also now own a Wii U and a PS4, so uh, <laughs> and a PC. So like, <laughs> so I've got a lot of my bases covered. But I specifically bought the PS4 because it not only had so many exclusives and non-exclusives, but that it also doubles as a media player as well mm-hmm. for streaming. So I can use it on my TV, and it also plays Blu-rays uh, as well. So I mean, you're kind of getting a bunch of different things as well, if that's also a factor. But I honestly think that PS PlayStation just has a lot of games now, like just a lot. Yeah. yeah. And there are a lot of the big titles, so. Yeah, I think there's definitely enough there now where it's a good time to come on board. I mean, in terms of that commercial, it was rather silly because it was like, PlayStation's <laughs> the place to play. Here's Call of Duty and a bunch of games that aren't out yet. So that was sort of a stupid <laughs> yeah. commercial. Um, and yeah. then I don't think PSX would really satisfy anxiety because, again, that's still stuff that's not out yet. But I do think just in general, if you are interested in a PlayStation, there's there's a pretty good library already. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, PSX is more for people who I think are already part of the the whole shebang, like people who have had PS4s for a while. Yeah. What tends to get me is just like, look at like reviews that people are writing about games that are coming out right now and seeing if those are things that you'd want to play and if they're on PS4, like that's always a better option for me in making a decision like that. Is there yeah. something coming out right now that people are playing that I want to be able to play? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's right about PSX. It's more like it's already geared towards people that have a PlayStation. <laughs> All right. I think that brings uh, this episode to a close. Unless anyone wanted to add anything that we missed? No. We covered a lot. We did. <laughs> Yeah. Apple Cider, thank you so much for joining us yeah, again. Thank you. No problem. Yeah, it was always fun to come here and get to gab. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's the best part about doing a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it's not the editing, believe it or not. Nope. Nope. <laughs> nope. Not the editing. <laughs> Definitely not. All right. So do you want to let people know where they can find you? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter uh, at Apple Cider Witch. Uh, and also, I'm Nico Deo. If you want to look for my bylines, I uh, typically write for Paste Games. And I also will link anything that I write anywhere else on my Twitter. All right. And Riley? You can find me on Twitter at Kaleri with an underscore. It's K A L E R I with an underscore. And as of last week, yeah, uh, Forge actually discontinued their streaming program, so I won't be uh, streaming there anymore. Aww. Yeah. <laughs> but maybe I'll start doing stuff on Twitch now. So we'll see. But I'll I'll let everybody know when when that happens for sure. But for now, it's just Twitter again. So, yeah. All right. And you can find me on Twitter at Josila underscore or on YouTube where my channel is called Cannot Be Tamed. 
And if you have any feedback, questions, people, or topics you'd like to hear on future episodes, you can reach us at MediaMavensCast at gmail.com or on Twitter at underscore MediaMavens. I'm going to give one more futile plea for reviews on (laughs) iTunes or Stitcher. Uh, If you review us and rate us, it will help more people find us so more people can listen to us. Uh, But I guess that's it. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. 